Okay, welcome back to the Brain Taming Podcast. We are back on air. Fuck, I've always wanted to say that. Look, uh, I don't know if there's many people listening or not, um, but admittedly, I'm super pumped for episode two of this podcast. If you're joining us again from episode one, I appreciate it. I thank you for listening. I hope you got some value from the first installment of this podcast. And look, admittedly, it really was me getting the cobwebs out on something that I'm super passionate about. It was a great example of just taking action on something and not overthinking, which I shared a little bit about at the end of episode one. But my promising commitment to you guys listening is that these will improve. I will continue to sharpen and add more value. But look, like I said, admittedly, episode one was a bit shaky, but I hope you got some sort of value from that episode. Today, I'm super pumped to share with you again and to revisit the conversation around optimization, brain science, everything in that space. And today, just to give you a snapshot of what to expect, there's a few things I want to explore. Firstly, I want to look at, with everything going on right now, the whole COVID-19 corona crisis. I know a lot of you are cooped up at home. A lot have lost their jobs, a lot of confused and don't know what to do. Routines are completely out. And look, on paper, it's completely fucked. I totally get it. But I want to present a few ideas that maybe help shift the perspective on what's going on. I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about how is the worst thing that ever happened to you actually the best thing, and it's not hyperbole. It is a really important mental shift to make, and I've got some ideas around that. I want to give you three tips on how to essentially capitalize on what's going on right now with uh, the COVID-19 situation and how you can best use your time. Following that, I want to revisit my life lessons, which I touched on uh, in episode one. I wrote about it a little while back, and look, uh, it really is just my perspective on things. If you have any thoughts, comments, ideas, suggestions, please connect. I'd love the, I love these kinds of conversations. If you agree, if you disagree, but uh, just a quick disclaimer: they are just from my perspective, but really important life lessons that I've learned in 30 years. I shared the first five in episode one, and expanded a little bit on those, which hopefully you got some value from. Um, and today, I want to revisit the revisit the next instalment. And that is uh, lesson six to 15. So we'll look at 10 life lessons again today. So welcome back again to episode two of this podcast. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so the COVID-19 situation. Some people are cooped up at home. Some people are uh, still at work with the complete dynamic shift. Uh, at the very least, everyone I imagine to some extent has had a pretty, pretty significant disruption to their routine. For some people... It's uh, been a natural shift into thriving and taking advantage of what's going on. Uh, for others, it's not a whole lot has changed. And for a whole lot more, uh, people finding themselves in complete disarray. And I know that. I see it on social. I see it in the conversations I have with friends and family. So, uh, And even myself personally, the, the disruption has been an interesting one to navigate through with business, with personal life, with even just health and fitness goals. So I totally get it, and I don't want to disrespect the reality that it is a tricky situation that we're all faced with, um, and there's a lot going on, but this podcast and this conversation is about how to how to leverage it, I suppose, how to capitalize on what's going on. So I want to give you three tips on how to do that, and hopefully you can apply essentially immediately. Hopefully you can apply today and um, start feeling a little bit better about what's going on. Okay, so the first suggestion on how to capitalize on all this madness going on right now is to take inventory. And what I mean by that is to get a pen and paper, maybe a cup of tea. I've done this a few times over the last couple of months and take inventory, take stock of all the different areas of our lives, business, career, health, relationships. What are your habits like? Your social 
commitments, what are your goals? Firstly, what are they and are you mapping towards them? Do your actions add up? What's your level of skill acquisition look like right now? Is there some things that you want to improve your ability to perform in? What's your routine like and what's your environment like? Where do you show up every day and how does that impact your productivity for one and perhaps more importantly, your well-being? So all those different areas, get a pen and paper and start to write down an answer, uh, write down answers to two questions in each. What's working and what's not working? By identifying what's working, we get a bit more clarity and we know clarity is power, which I'll explore a bit more on in a moment's time, um, but write down what's working so you can start to do more of it, I suppose, but also look at what's not working, and it's super, super crucial and critical, really, at a time like this to take um, take stock of that and begin to cut that out. It's so, unfortunately, so, so easy for us all as humans to fall into routines and habits that don't serve us. We are creatures of habit, and with everything happening right now, I imagine for the uh, vast majority of us, we have physically more time available with less demands from work and social activities to actually do this activity so we can take inventory of what's not working and then consciously make decisions to cut that stuff out, okay? Because we all, whether it serves us or not, um, still do things out of habit. So take inventory and start to revisit our action plan against those. Something really cool just on that on that um, suggestion of taking inventory that I like to do is a SWOT analysis now, it's a very business term for those entrepreneurs, business folks, and anyone who's worked in a corporate environment out there. The SWOT analysis is just really interesting to perform in our own life as well, and I do this almost every month. Essentially, what that is, for those that don't know, it's an acronym. stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. Threats. Fuck that word up a bit there, but that's the beauty of... Recording in one take and just taking action and not overthinking, right? So anyway, we I digress. Let's continue. But the SWOT analysis, imagine a, a quadrant that you would draw out on a piece of paper and start to explore those four areas. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are the opportunities in your life to take advantage of? And what are the real threats just to be considerate of and try and negate against? So I won't dive into it too much more other than that, but run with that and see how you go. The second suggestion for taking advantage of um, the situation, we're all faced with right now, is to fucking learn. And we know I'm passionate about this, but I really, really mean it, guys. I want to encourage it so sincerely. I don't want to sound like a dick, but I really want to keep pushing this. Now, more than ever, is the best time to learn, to upskill, to improve your level of skill acquisition in areas that are important to you. So, for example, I'll share something that uh, is happening in my world, just so you get a very real tangible example. And then start to think about how this applies to you, okay? So, for me right now, I'm trying to explore uh, the world of brain science and I'm trying to get this podcast and concept and really brand of braintainment out there to the world. For me to do that requires a few variables for this to have the level of success that I want. Number one, I need to be able to communicate in a way that um, translates well to the mass audience, right? How can I learn, research and get the content around anything that's relevant in self-improvement, optimizing brain function, etc. So that, look, that's skill acquisition number one, is actually absorbing that content and um, learning. So I'm doing a lot of that. I'm reading a lot, I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm writing a lot of shit down, right? Writing down crystallizes thought and helps retain the information. So the second thing um, that I was touching on is my ability to actually translate that information to you guys. 
and I don't for a second suggest that I, and I said this in the episode one, I'm nowhere near the best. I'm far from it. In fact, however, my intention is to become the fucking best at delivering this information in a way that's entertaining. Uh, I want my passion and excitement to come through, but I want it to be concise and tangible and actionable. And I want you guys to tune in every every week looking forward to learning something else. So my skill in being able to um, relay this information in a digestible way needs to improve. So I'm constantly practicing that. And it feels fucking awesome to be in the pursuit of worthy goals, guys. So there's an example of how I'm using my time researching, learning, studying, because I'm actually fucking interested about the brain and optimizing my life, etc. It doesn't matter what it is for you. It could be video games. It could be sports history. It could be fucking knitting and becoming the best knitter and learning about how the wool and the fucking tweezer things work together and to create this masterpiece. Of course, I'm being a little bit playful there, but the point remains, whatever it is for you, uh, which is a conversation that I'll explore in later episodes about how to cultivate and build a passion, right? You don't find a passion like it's under your fucking pillow. But again, conversation for another time. But now is the time to learn. I hope that helps and makes some sense. And then the third tip around how to how to capitalize and leverage the situation we're all in right now is to create a routine and stick to it, okay? Now, what I mean by that is this. I want you all to start consciously practicing. And I really hope I don't sound like I'm speaking in a condescending manner because believe me, guys, and I really should have said this at the start to preface this whole conversation um, and future episodes. I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the fucking trenches with you guys. I'm not the guy up on stage who's had it all figured out for years and is relaying my, um, my learnings. This is really about me sharing as I go. Okay, so with that being said, please forgive me if I speak very passionately. Anyway, I digress. Creating a routine and sticking to it, what I want you to do is this. I want you to consciously build your ability to practice being proactive versus reactive. Now, if you work in a job where you do, particularly if it's a job where you're doing a monotonous type of work, if your routine is very stagnant, I can almost promise you that the vast majority of your time spent is in autopilot and you're being reactive. Now, this isn't necessarily a plight on those of us that fall into that trap because it is human nature to do that to some extent, but I want you to really start building your ability to be proactive, and now's a great time to do that. Because if you are working from home, if you don't have the social and sporting and whatever commitments outside of your work environment as well, You've got a lot of time on your hands and it's very easy to just fall into plodding around the house, twiddling your thumbs, what the fuck do I actually do? And then watching loads and loads of Netflix and movies. Now, quick sidebar, I love pop culture. I love movies. I love shows. Not about, I'm not about um, stopping that stuff. However, you know that feeling when you feel like you should be doing more, you should be doing something else, you should be doing something productive and that moves you in the direction of your goals because again, look, there's nothing more satisfying and, f- and fulfilling in my books anyway than the pursuit of worthy goals. But to bring it all back, being proactive and building that skill of doing so is going to hold you in good stead for when the, re- the world returns to normal and you can attack and go after your goals more vigorously than you ever have before. So now's a great time to build that skill because it is a skill. Otherwise, you will default to being reactive and that is inherently problematic and it just limits so many opportunities. So I hope that helps. Um, look, again, I am, as I said, I'm sharing my experiences as I go. So I hope you can distill what I'm trying to say there. 
any questions on that, just hit me up and we can chat a bit more off air. And then finally, before I move on uh, to expand on my life lessons, the next 10, so that installment, just a little bonus tip on leveraging the COVID-19 situation right now to come out on on top. And uh, this, is actually, this is actually a really, really good point. I've spoken to friends, family um, over the last couple of months and some are just fucking crushing it. Some have revisited their business objectives. Some have changed their routine uh, in their personal life for their health, for their mindset. Um, some have just taken up new hobbies and feeling great about it and on the whole, doing really, really well. Others, however, are really struggling and I think a large part of that is because they do see it as an opportunity to um, take inventory, like I said at the top, um, and to start things that they've always been thinking about exploring. So whether that's podcasting, whether that's taking a musical instrument, whether that's starting a business, some sort of side hustle, whatever it might be, I think a lot of people are seeing this as an opportunity to do that, but just feel stuck in that indecision. And look, I don't want to. I, I'm sort of torn because I really do think um, that action is a cure all. And you'll hear my thoughts on that in a moment. I encourage you to just fucking do shit and figure it out and adjust as you go. However, please filter this through the understanding that, guys, this is not the only opportunity that you will have to um, to reinvent your direction in life, right? I've had friends, and specifically what I mean by that is this. I've just heard a couple of people say that their friends on social and people they know are just crushing it and they're really struggling to kind of, one, just even feel good, let alone pivot and adjust and and take advantage of the whole situation. (sighs) Let's say four, five, six months go by and you've spent the entire time cooped up in your blanket in bed, scared, afraid, frustrated, angry, all the all the horrible emotions, and you haven't done a whole lot more to improve your life experience, and you just completely fucked up the whole chance you had during this quote-unquote quiet period, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Your next few months and how, how it plays out for you isn't the be-all and end-all, okay? Um, so just, just keep that in mind. Don't beat yourself up if... The last couple of months have just been a write-off. That's okay. I'll leave it there. Okay, so I hope you got some value from that, guys. I'm going to continue on into exploring my life lessons with number six. And that is to meditate daily. Look, this, for me anyway, it's not about floating away to the Himalayas. It really is about one thing and one thing only, at least for me at the moment. And that is the practice of shifting from the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight, back into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. It's the calm and creative. I'm someone who's naturally, um, actually I shouldn't say naturally, but I'm someone who at this moment in time is very much wired to be in high arousal mode. I have been like that for the, the, look, the vast majority of my life, but certainly since my head injury five years ago, that's been a lot more heightened, which is why I tend to flirt with anxiety a lot more than most perhaps. Um, So meditation for me is a very tangible and practical example and exercise on how I can shift back into a more creative, more calming state. And I'm really, really conscious of my body, my breath, and my nervous system and transitioning back into that state of being. So that's how I approach the practice. In terms of the uh, ins and outs of how I do it, look, there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Certainly not in my books anyway. I just encourage you to start doing it if you're not already. I'll coach you through my practice just to give you something to work with, and then I encourage you to dive into the research yourself and just fuck around with it and find something that 
works for you, but it's a life lesson um, that I've picked up in the last few years because it's been a massive, massive shift for me um, for the better. So in the morning, almost every morning, I will spend five to 10 minutes, eyes closed, focusing on my breath. I'm not trying to think. In fact, I'm essentially just trying to block out my thoughts, but I'm not stressing too much if they creep in. I'm just really practicing, right? Building the neural pathways in my brain and training myself to, I'm really stressing the word training there because it gets easier and better over time. The point is to start doing it and cultivate the practice. But what I'm doing is I am focusing on my breath and inhaling uh, for five seconds, hold it for two, and then exhale for whatever feels good, really. I'm optimizing my meditation practice for the most pleasurable experience, okay? So it generally works out to be inhaling for five, holding for two, and exhaling for six to seven. I will do that for, yeah, perhaps about 10 minutes, and by the end of that, I find that I am just a little bit more calm. Now, some of you might wake up that way. I don't. I wake up with a level of anxiety, um, which I'm, look, the honest answer is I don't know why. I'm continuing to explore that, but it's certainly getting significantly better over time. And the meditative practice is huge, particularly before I get stuck into my busy whirlwind day. Guys, if you can get control of your AM and your PM, the middle part of your day will take care of itself. Okay. Look, it's not always true, but it's a good philosophy to adopt. So that's kind of what my meditative practice looks like for the first 10 minutes. Sometimes if I'm vibing it, I'll go a little bit longer. That's the first element of it. 10 minutes, focusing on my breath, inhaling, exhaling. And all I really care about is just calming my nervous system. The next thing I'll do is I will thinkitate. Now, that is a direct fucking stolen quote from my homie Tom Bilyeu and just a practice that he recommends that I've incorporated over the last six months and it's been massive. So step one is to meditate, calm our nervous system. Step two is to thinkitate. And what I'm doing there, guys, is I'm just consciously allowing thoughts back into my mind for that day. If I'm up to it, I might even, if I'm in a funky mood, firstly start with what I'm grateful for and just kind of kind of think about those things and cultivate a level of gratitude Um yeah, in my body, I suppose, but more often than not, it kind of goes straight into my plans for the day. So before I just start executing, I'm very conscious of what are the important things I need to do, what are the things I need to remember, and it's a lot easier to spend the time doing that after I first calmed my nervous system and brain, because um, I'm, I'm in that calm and creative state. So I'm naturally going to be able to Think a bit more clearly, and it's just a really good way to start the day. So once I've completed my thinkitation exercise, which really goes from anywhere from four to seven minutes, I'll get up and I'll jot those thoughts and ideas on paper and kind of plan out my day, and then I'm into my day. So that's the morning practice, and then at night, it's another five minutes or so, often with music in the evening. In the morning, it's not. Uh, it's just the silent sounds of nature, um, if there are any around. Uh, but in the evening, it's just some calming music on the Calm app, I mix it up with what I listen to. Uh, and yeah, again, just focus on my breath work. So that's meditation. I encourage you to explore it. It's changed my life in ways you can't imagine. Life lesson number seven is that health is wealth. I said in episode one that I don't like cliches, but hey, there's another one. Health is wealth. And what I mean by that is this. It's very difficult to do anything to accomplish anything worthwhile, and even just to experience deeper levels of fulfillment and joy, at least on a consistent basis anyway, if you're constantly breaking down physically. Certainly in the long term anyway. I know a lot of listeners, if you're friends of mine um, or friends of friends, will be recommended to connect in my world. You're probably anywhere from that like 22 to 
40-year-old space. We know logically and cognitively, but it's hard to internalize it you know, too much right now. But when you're older, this is going to become more and more true. So start prioritizing it now so the habits are there. And you're, look, it's very simple. Your health is really the quality of your food, your exercise and moving your body, and your rest. It's a conversation for another time to go super deep on that stuff. And I look forward to bringing on some guests guests in that space so pts health nutritionists things like that um so yeah future episodes but health is wealth number eight fuck i love this one action is the cure-all oh i just want to jam this concept philosophy idea down people's throats sometimes even down my own sometimes when i get caught in indecision we know indecision is the thief of opportunity Um, It just creates unnecessary levels of anxiety and it's much more easier to adapt and pivot in motion than it is when you're stagnant. It's the worst feeling in the world being stagnant. Okay, so how do you avoid those things? You take action. Fire, ready, aim. Okay, it's a little play on the ready, fire, aim, but the idea is to just take action and then adjust as you go. Very rarely can something significantly bad happen from taking action first and then having to adjust. Take this podcast, for example. It's very like... I shouldn't say that. It's very possible that listeners from episode one just didn't didn't vibe with the way that I was sharing this information and that could just be a result of my level of skill right now. I need to get better. I'm very clear on that. But it's much better to go down that path and potentially lose some early listeners than to sit on it and sit on it and sit on it and not practice and hone my skills and just get to work. I'd much rather... Just get stuck into it, pump out episodes, and by episode 50, if it needs to be, um, this shit is completely polished, and I'm ready to fucking drive this community into the stratosphere and towards those goals of a million followers, like I expressed in episode one is the goal. And of course, along the way, raise that million bucks um, towards brain injury recovery, which I'll share more on in future episodes when we've got some stuff in place. So get your pocketbooks out ready um, until you hear more about where to donate. Number nine. Life lesson number nine, which is kind of following on for number eight, but that is this. Procrastination is what happens when your goals don't excite you as much as your lizard brain wants to chill, right? Now, what do I mean by that? Humans, we are literally wired from our heritage from years and years and years ago to uh, preserve and to protect ourselves, right? So, to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, to get outside our comfort zone, which is essentially a price of entry towards the pursuit of worthy goals, almost always. To do that requires an activation energy and it requires us exploring and flirting with a reasonable level of anxiety, okay, for us to take that action. And if your goals don't pull you towards that strongly enough, you will default to your default state, which is to chill, right? Your your reptilian brain would much rather preserve its energy, number one, because back in the fucking ancient, olden times, in the, in the olden ages, our food was hard to come by. And so when we would eat, we would consume calories and would be days potentially before we could find the next meal. So over time, we naturally condition our body to conserve calories as a priority, which is why we just want to chill and not burn calories, number one. And number two, there was a lot of danger going into the jungle and exploring and doing things out of the norm could mean fucking death. It could be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So there's a couple of reasons why over time the brain has been conditioned to essentially avoid things that are challenging. So they should give you some insight as to why. It's not because you're a scaredy pants, so stop beating yourself up. You're essentially fighting against biology. But the fight can be fucking won with the right tools. Hence why this podcast is here to help you along that way. I hope that makes sense.
Life lesson number 10. Managing money is just as important as making money. I don't want to talk about this for too long because the honest answer is I haven't mastered this and I'm nowhere near it. But it is a life lesson that I've really become very apparent on the last 12 months in particular. I've always done an okay job at making money, particularly in the last five years. But managing is a whole other ball game. And so um, it's just a life lesson learned. I'll leave it there. If you can relate, you know, I feel your pain. But it's not... I think the point I want to make here, guys, is that it's not enough to just say, look, oh, I'm bad with money and excuse yourself of it. The reality is that whilst I might excel in some areas and my ability to um, grow in skill in some areas happens at a rate faster than others, I appreciate that. Uh, look, I can assure you my ability to get smart and strategic and disciplined with money um, is very poor. But it will improve. So that's a, that's a life lesson that I've, heard, I've learned the hard way, but over time that will improve and I'm certainly making making some uh, decisions right now that are moving in that direction, which is exciting. Life lesson number le- uh, 11. The number one way to improve your self-esteem is to do hard things in service of something important. So if you know me, you know I love my cold showers every fucking morning. One for the scientific benefits it has on our health, our brain, our nervous system, all that stuff. But for me, kind of more esoterically, it's what it does for my mind, and that is that I'm doing something really hard in service of my goals, which is to be healthy and fit and optimized, and I'm doing it first thing in the day. Uh, And that kind of just breeds this like ongoing cycle of doing hard things that are in service of my goals. And wowee, that is, look, it's just the easiest way to cultivate a level of self-respect for ourselves, right? Uh, It's at least the easiest way I know how to do it anyway, is to do hard things in service of our goals. Now, that could be any, there's a whole range of examples. Exercise is one, one a really obvious one. So moving the body, doing things even when you don't feel like it, running in the rain, lifting heavy weights even when you're fatigued. Um, look, again, the, the, the dopamine and endorphins it releases in the, in, the, in the body and brain should be beneficial enough and encouraging enough for you to, uh, to do it. But, yeah, I don't know. This, the, 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 the respect that I have for myself, which has been lacking significantly over, over time in different periods of my life, and I know a lot of people will relate to that, um, that, that self-respect and confidence comes uh, in increased levels dramatically when I do hard things. So over time, and it, it becomes habitual. And then, again, um, look, shout out to my homie, James Clear from Atomic Habits, who talks about habits. Until it does become a habit, and then yeah, uh, now I find cold showers and a number of other things that are hard it just happen organically, and I don't have to worry about too much uh, activation energy because it just sort of happens. I encourage you to find things that are hard, difficult, challenging that are important though, that are in service towards your goals, and start doing them daily. Life lesson 12. I could expand on this for a very, very long period of time, but I don't want to get derailed too much, I want to keep it concise. But number 12 is this. We need to frame our narrative, our life story, in a way that propels us forward. Okay, now, to kind of sum that up, we've all got baggage. We've all had shit happen to us. We've all done things we're not proud of. I know I have anyway. It's a long laundry list. And look, I can't tell you how much my head injury from five years ago has dramatically impacted my life, and in some very real ways. Um, But for, for too long... I, whilst I still felt like I was ex- I was growing in some ways of mental fortitude and discipline and things like that, for too long I held on to the narrative that um, I was now broken and my life would never be the same in a bad way. Over time, and look, it's not easy, guys, but essentially what I've tried to do is flip the switch, um, flip the narrative into something way more empowering because it's happened. I can't go back in time, 
at least not right now anyway. Um, that might change in the future with some sort of contraption or time travel machine. Um, but for now, I can't do that. So I can't go back and not get the fuck kicked out of me from that bar fight, which left me with, unfortunately, um, some significant trauma to my brain. So it's happened, so I need to accept it. So how do I flip the switch and change the narrative to be more empowering? Well, I've done it this way, guys. I've seen it as an opportunity to dive into brain research, which I probably wouldn't have otherwise if I hadn't experienced these ongoing symptoms and, and anxiety and mental illness and things like that. So for me, honestly, if I had the chance to change it, I probably wouldn't, even though it cost me a lot and it restricted me from a lot of sporting endeavors like football and things of that nature, which I was really passionate about. Um, look, it is, it is frustrating. It is what it is. However, the silver lining is that it's led me down a path of doing really difficult things to improve my recovery. Um, it's taken me down a path of significant research into how the brain operates and how to adjust our chemistry to feel good. Like, and I just don't think that would have happened had that, had that incident not, not have taken place. So, and I really mean that. And so that's a really good example of how I've changed the narrative, my life story, to be something more empowering that's going to propel me forward and towards my goals. I feel empowered. I feel strong. Even when I feel these symptoms of dizziness, vertigo, fatigue, I mean, that still comes on. That is a very real physical challenge that I combat every day. However, my personal story that I tell myself is one that's empowering. And whatever your narrative is, despite how traumatic it might be or how frustrating or whatever, I promise you there's a way to find it empowering. And I'm not here to tell you how to do that because I don't know your story, but I promise you there's a way. So find a way to make your story an empowering one, okay? Whether it was your childhood, something that happened to you, your lack of opportunity, whatever, your heartbreak. Find a way to turn that into an empowering, propelling narrative. Lesson learned number 13. Fall in love with learning. <sighs> this is huge. And over the last couple of years, I've made it pretty abundantly clear in this podcast and in some of the social content I share that I have fallen in love with learning. And it's about things that are important to, to me. And I know there'll be things important to you. Everyone wants to live a better life in some way. And it's not about disregarding what you've got currently, but we can always feel a little bit more fulfilled, a little bit more passionate, a little bit more optimized with our health um, and our vigor when we wake up in the morning to attack the day. So there's always room for improvement. Uh, and look, progress equals happiness, at least in my books anyway. Just on that really quickly, um, I should say progress equals fulfillment. Look, happiness, it's amazing. It's essentially a dopamine release, but it is momentary, right? It is fleeting and it doesn't last. So if you judge your life experience only by feeling that kind of like upbeat happiness, um, you'll be disappointed when those moments fade, which will, will inevitably happen. Because um, life is a lot of ups and downs, ebbs and flows, but we can work towards constantly increasing our level of fulfillment, I think is the name of the game, right? Brain chemistry towards uh, fulfillment. Anywho, I digress, uh, but falling in love with learning is a really good um, philosophy to build in, okay? And the easiest way to do that is just to start with things that you're interested in, start reading a little bit, listening to podcasts here and there until over time you fan those flames of interest into a fascination and ultimately into a passion. Lesson 14 is to eat well. Pretty simple. I don't want to give you too much specific advice right now because if there's one thing I've learned is that the body is very different in every human. We've got a lot of the same parts, limbs, organs, um, but it reacts differently to different environments, stimuli, and certainly different foods. Look, there are some non-negotiables. Sugar is no good. Cut it out. Um, it's inflammatory. 
it is addictive, more addictive to, uh, than cocaine, believe it or not, and opioids like heroin. So um, it is actually the most addictive drug in the world. So cut it out where you can. Um, even carbohydrates in the wrong dosage is no good, like starchy carbs and processed food. Yeah, just be very aware of what's going into your body. It has a dramatic impact on your mood and the chemistry in your body, which we all know now. Priority one is to optimize our brain chemistry, and your diet is just an easy way to do that. What goes in is what comes out. I mean, the math adds up, right? So what goes into your body is ultimately going to determine and dictate the output, your performance, um, and your how you feel, your life experience, right? So eat well. And then just following on from that, number 15, and to wrap up this podcast, episode two, lesson learned 15 is that ideas in equal ideas out. Just like your food in equals your performance out. If you want to optimize your mind, if you want to level up in terms of your skills, you'd have to, you have to change the input. That comes from a number of different ways. It's the people you hang around with. It's the podcasts and books you listen to and the books you read. It's the conversations you have. Constantly surround yourself with good stuff if you want to change the way that you experience your world. If you want to communicate in a certain way, if you want to have a language that kind of suits the message you want to deliver, then you just have to fucking learn, right? And constantly practice having conversations with people based on what you have put into your brain, right? And reading books, podcasts, is just the easiest way to do that. Constantly consuming. You'll just find that the way you talk will then have an impact, um, will be impacted. And how you talk has a big impact on how you feel, right? Tony Robbins talks about the three keys to state change. Uh, look, the reality is, guys, you're going to continually optimize, I hope, but you're always going to have some um, moments of like, what the fuck? I don't feel good. What's going on? So the three keys to state change when you are in that place is number one, physiology. Move your body, right? Whether that's through um, the gym, going for a run, a walk, stretching, yoga, a meditative practice, dancing, laughing, changing the muscles in your in your, in your your smile, uh, so in your face. Um so physiology is number one. Number two is language. Uh, and so how we talk to ourselves, about ourselves, to others, just and just how we talk in general is huge. So I'm really big on language. You'd be surprised at the hooks that has on our subconscious. So that language will change over time the more you change the input going into your brain. And look, the third one just on that is your focus. And again, that will shift naturally as well as you change the input going into your brain. So I hope that makes sense. Makes sense. Imp- uh, ideas in equals ideas out so that's it episode two comes to a close i hope you enjoyed look again a little bit sporadic me kind of brain dumping some things that i found really important i hope the message isn't lost in my inability to communicate them clearly i promise you again over time this will improve but i do sure hope my passion comes through if you have any queries questions thoughts as always yeah hit me up i want to stay connected i want to have these conversations with people um, and, and over time, of course, I want to grow the brain tame and brand. So please continue to tune in, share this podcast with friends, family, anyone who you think might get value. And if you've got any ideas on things you want me to share um, or ways to share it, please let me know. Okay. Uh, this audience is extremely important to me. And look, this, this idea, this brain tainment branding, uh, it, it's fucking nothing without an audience, without a community. And that's you guys. So please do connect in some way. But that's it. Episode two. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Peace out. Enjoy. And I look forward to sharing again very, very soon. Adios. Hasta luego.